for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Dave DeFore, who covers the NBA for the Athletic, about what's going on with the fan predicament, the unruly fans across the National Basketball Association throughout the last couple of weeks of playoff basketball. We saw Naomi Osaka pull out of the French Open in tennis at Roland Garros because of her battle with mental illness, and we're starting to see some of the NBA players speak out with the same issues that they're facing because of things that have been thrown at them, things that have been said to them, things that have been hurled at them while playing in the NBA playoffs. All things we can talk about with Dave DeFore, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, June 2nd. Always fun when we can talk basketball with Dave DeFore. You, of course, hear him on the Daily Ding and like several other podcasts all over the Athletic Podcast Network. Dave, what's going on, man? Right in the heart of the NBA playoffs. Should be a fun time to have you on. Listen, man, I am loving the playoffs right now. And for me, the playoffs really started like two weeks before the regular season. This play-in has been such a massive success that it actually worked on me. And I'm not a fan. You know, I'm a guy who has to watch all these games for work, and I got pulled in. You know, the Steph Curry, John Morant battle. I just think that this has been such an overwhelming success, and the field is so wide open. And, of course, we don't love the circumstances that it's created this parody. Like, we hate the COVID pandemic. Obviously, has been awful, and the condensed schedule has been bad, and all these injuries suck. But at the end of the day, we're in the playoffs, and we really have no idea who's going to win the title. And... I think that we can all just get past the stuff that we've dealt with to get here and accept the moment for what it is. It's the most fun season I've ever had. I want to get to that thought in just a minute, getting past all the crap we just went through into enjoying the NBA postseason. It's funny, you mentioned, though, the uh, the John Morant and Steph Curry going at it, and really it was kind of John Morant's coming out party. I was at that game, hell of a performance by him, and we were really treated with that tip-off game of the play-in tournament where we got a Steph Curry versus a LeBron James. Now, I think more years than not, we're not going to end up with that type of matchup. I really had a tough time with the 9-10 games in both sides of the bracket. What'd you think about that element of the play-in? I'd be okay with just a 7-8, maybe a 7-8-9 sort of play in tournament. You know, the 9-10 is okay. I'm with you, though. This year, it was particularly weird. The Pacers games would have been better if they hadn't had the injury issues that they had at the end of the season. And I think going forward, it's a good thing. And you're not going to get Steph and LeBron in those games, but it's a nice way to highlight some of your up-and-coming guys. Like John Morant, even if they didn't make it into the playoffs— that's a pretty big boost for him on a national stage, getting those two games head-to-head with Steph Curry, right? Even if they lose the second one, it's still a great thing for your league because you're highlighting these young stars. And this is where I push back on people complaining about Steph missing the playoffs. Listen, this league is about the teams and the league, not individual players. And part of the problem with the NBA's marketing has been it's too much about one guy or one group of guys versus all of the stars in the league and the NBA right now has more star level talent than it's ever had. I mean, you know, John Morant is on the eight seed right now. That's insane. So I just think that, you know, the play in has been a massive success and getting a chance to see these young guys rise to the moment has been a lot of fun too. 
You know, that's a good point because it's such a veteran's game when it comes to winning championships. You don't see young players, and, and you may end up with like a young LeBron James or a young Oklahoma City Thunder with KD and Westbrook and Harden carry a team to the finals, but it is so hard to win a championship and win a, a playoff series as a young guy. And John Morant's like 21, 22 years old, and he's getting to do it now on this stage against some of the all-time champions like Steph Curry, like Draymond Green, and he's answered the bell, so I'm with you. I think that element to this has been a lot of fun, and I do think that obviously last year them playing in the bubble in Orlando was a little bit different of a circumstance, but I want to say, who was it? Was it the Phoenix Suns that got into that tournament, won all eight of their games, their, their sort of like restart games in the bubble and didn't even get into the postseason? So I feel like this system works a little bit better. For the Suns, going 8-0 and in the bubble, I think was very important for their season this year. And, and so in hindsight, looking back at the teams that did get a chance to be in the bubble, Memphis, who was at the time and the eighth seed, and they missed out you know, on the playoffs last year losing out in the play-in, and I know that they felt a little unfairly by that, but I think it helped them get to where they are this season, which is a better team. The play-in is here to stay because not only did it add drama, but you are going to get new stars out of it because you're just going to have, there's going to be a 10 seed that makes that number eight spot, and it's going to be a team full of young guys probably, or it's going to be a team like the Wizards who just can get hot for a little while. You know, we know how basketball works. We saw the Wizards steal a game from the Sixers when Embiid goes down, and we know how injuries can affect everything. So I like this play-in because it's adding more variance. And, and, you know, if they just called it a wild card, no one bats an eye about it. Every other sport has a wild card. And now the NBA does too, and it's tight. It's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that element to it, especially because we've had so little parity, it seems like, in the NBA postseason as far as bottom seeds knocking out top seeds just throughout history. And so maybe now this does add a little bit more variance. I, I do want to talk, though, about the landscape of the NBA playoffs. And it's not so much about the matchups. It's about what's happening off the court. And I'm literally talking off the court in the stands at some of these games, mostly Eastern Conference games that we've heard about things that go down in Utah. We've seen what happened with Trey Young in the Madison Square Garden stuff. We saw last weekend with Kyrie and what happened in Boston with him stepping on the logo and then getting a bottle thrown at him. I guess just sort of the general question, Dave, for you is, why are we seeing this now in the NBA? Or maybe it's something that we've seen throughout history in sports and throughout history in the NBA, but it's now just more prevalent because all eyes are on the NBA playoffs. What the hell's going on with the fans at these games, man? Well, I'm not a psychologist, but I am a human being who has just dealt with the same stuff that everyone else dealt with for the last you know, 15 months or however long it's been. And I think that there's a few things at play here. Number one, sports fans have acted like this before. This isn't new. I will say that the prevalence here in the last few weeks where it's almost like uh, a little bit of copycat, potentially. I don't know. I would love to give people the benefit of the doubt and just say, we have spent 15 months away from other people and we forgot how to act. Our home training didn't come with us when we got out here tonight. But also, people are addicted to attention. The internet is pretty much a bad place. It's built for just boosting your own ego. I mean, this guy runs out on the court to slap the backboard. What kind of idiot are you? So I just think that people have lost their minds to a certain degree. Sports fans in particular already sort of walk that balance beam between sane and crazy as it is. And emotions are running high generally. And I'm not making any excuses. I think all these fans are morons, big idiots who should be banned for life. But also, I think that there's a little bit of a, you know, societal issue where what happens when you've been 
locked away for a year and now you have to go reintegrate into society. It's weird. So I hope that we can solve this problem before we have a, a real problem. So far, this has been, you know, we've gotten lucky. The water bottle didn't hit Kyrie. There was security around Russell Westbrook, so he couldn't get to the fan that threw popcorn at him. The guy who ran out on the court was just a moron and not someone who intended harm against the players. But I think everybody's got to be better. I think NBA security has to be better. The guy who ran out on the court, he had like eight seconds before anybody got to him. And this is not good. There's a trust, man. Like just if you're going to go to watch a live sporting event, there is a trust between the players and the fans. And when you do stuff like throw stuff at players or run out on the court, you're ruining that trust. We just saw what it's like with no fans for a year. Do you want it to be that way permanently? That would ruin the game. I don't know that the NBA could survive that just because of how important the in-arena ticket sales and concessions and all of those things are to the bottom dollar. So either learn to act right or it goes away, plain and simple. And, you know, a few bad apples can spoil the bunch. So we have to shut them down quickly. And I respect what the Utah Jazz are doing. Fans got into it and got a little nasty with John Morant's mom. They banned those fans. They kicked them out. It's unacceptable, man. It's sports. It's not important. It should be things that bring us together and that we enjoy together. And hey, you know what? Part of the fun of sports is booing and rooting against the other team. But nobody would ever root for an injury for another player. Or maybe they would. Maybe, you know, there are bad people out there, I guess. But throwing stuff at these guys, running out on the court is obviously unacceptable. And I'm glad that they're pressing charges. It's trespassing if you run out on the court. I'm old enough to remember the Monica Seles stabbing. And every time some idiot runs on the basketball court, I think about it. So we're lucky that nothing bad has happened. I would like to see the league step up and make sure nothing bad will happen. It's going to be tough because part of why the NBA is so great is because the fans are right there. And they're not back there yet. But this isn't going to get them there any sooner. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. That was kind of my next step or my next thought as you were talking about, you know, if a few bad apples ruin the bunch and they say, well, we can't have fans in the arena. And I don't know that it's going to come to that or think it would come to that because of what you just mentioned as far as the bottom line for the NBA. And you need fans in the arena and in the stadiums, as you mentioned. We saw this over the last year and how piss poor it was to watch sports with cardboard fans sitting in the stands. But I do wonder with the NBA, because fans are closer to the action than almost any other sport. I mean, in a baseball game, you can sit in the bleachers and yell to a left fielder and say his last name and he's a bum and you hear people you know yelling girlfriends and wives names and stuff at guys but with the NBA it's different you know what every player looks like they're not wearing a helmet they're not wearing a baseball cap these guys are the biggest players on the planet some of the biggest athletes in the world they're pop culture icons a lot of them are young men who are on social media and interact with people on video games or on Twitch or whatever it is that they're doing so I do wonder if fans because of the NBA because of just the nature of the sport feel a different connection or a different right to have a voice or a different right to, and again, I don't think anybody has a right to throw anything on the floor or run on the floor, but what I'm saying is I wonder if the nature of the game of basketball or the NBA itself plays a role in how these fans have connected to it. That's possible. Those guys are super marketable. I mean, this is one of the, the secrets about the NBA that people don't talk about. There's a reason those guys are in Gatorade and shoe commercials because you see them on TV all the time. Their faces are famous. So maybe there is a, a little bit of an underlying level of comfort and lack of fear of retribution. I'm not sure. Whatever it is, it needs to be cleared up. It's got to go. I would put money 
on this being the last incident we have, like with someone throwing something or trying to run on the court. I bet the NBA is going to be locking stuff down pretty tight because that's three high profile incidents in playoff games. That's a big deal. And the NBA security has got to step up, plain and simple. It's become a bigger story than the games themselves. I don't want you to go, Dave, without a, without a thought on some of the games themselves. A couple of big ones tonight. You're going to get the Wizards and the Sixers, Hawks and Knicks, Grizzlies and Jazz, and then the last one, Mavericks and Clippers. I really want to talk just Sixers and Wizards with you. We were talking before we started recording this today about the Milwaukee Bucks and them maybe being a force in the Eastern Conference. What is it about the Sixers and the struggles that they run into in the playoffs? Anything you see? Is there a team you like? Is there somebody out of the Eastern Conference you think could give fits to the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, what what are you looking at right now as far as how these series are playing out? Well, I think the Bucs are the best team in the NBA right now. That's where I'm at. And they're playing some of their best basketball. They look like they're going to be the champs. That's where I am as of today when we're recording this on June 1st. Those guys are here to win. The Sixers, they've got their issues, but I, I think the Sixers are, are very, very good. And a lot of this is going to depend on Joel Embiid's health. And hopefully this knee thing is not a big deal. You know, and, and they sat him for the remainder of that game, just to be cautious. I expect the Sixers to pick up game five, get that series over, maybe get a little bit of rest. We'll see. You know, the Hawks are probably going to end their series in five. The Sixers may have lost that rest advantage. If Embiid can't go against the Hawks, it's going to get tricky because the Sixers run into a math problem. They don't shoot enough threes. They're good at shooting threes. I mean, they have Danny Green, they have Seth Curry. Tyrese Maxey's really come on. But they don't shoot enough of them, and Atlanta is going to. Atlanta can really defend, and they can score. I think it's a tougher matchup than we'll give credit for, but if Embiid is healthy, it's a non-series. Like Embiid will dominate that series. But for Philly to get out of the East, it's all about Joel Embiid, and we won't know anything until Game 5 of that series. So, yikes. <laughs> you know, it's like... Does he need more from Ben Simmons? Like, you're talking about the shooting and how they have some shooters there that can help them out. But Ben's, I mean, we're four years into Ben Simmons' play. What, five years since he's been drafted now? Do they need more from him? I don't know how much more he can give. I mean, certainly they would love for him to be able to shoot, but that's not going to happen. He's not going to shoot, period. What they need from him is being aggressive going to the basket, not being scared to get put to the on the free throw line. You know, he was 5 of 11 in game four. And they need him to be like 5 of 20 rather than 5 of 11, if that makes sense. Because when he's being aggressive, he's making good things happen for him. I don't care if he misses every free throw he takes, but he needs to get to the line. Because drawing fouls is important. It puts pressure on the defense. You're going to change the way every single guy on that team defends. And you're more likely to get into the bonus. So what I want to see early in Game 5 is a lot of Ben Simmons attack in the basket. Make them work. Go to the line, miss your shots, who cares? But put them in foul trouble. If Embiid's out there, he does a great job of that. So, you know, that's a big boon for them. But I think that's what you need from Ben Simmons. The man's game is fantastic. 95% of his game is just textbook. It's stuff that you would love for other guys to have. But he doesn't have any touch, and he's just not going to be a shooter. So I think you just got to be happy with what he's able to bring, which is all-NBA, all-world defense, fantastic transition playmaking, and when he's aggressive, his ability to get the defense on his heels is almost unparalleled. Even though he sucks at finishing and shooting free throws, he still scares the defense, and that's what they need out of Ben Simmons. 
Get him to collapse, get him to be aggressive, let him distribute, let him draw some fouls, and he can help the team win. As long as Joel Embiid's out there, then I'm with you. Dave, I appreciate the time today, man. Always fun when we can catch up talking basketball. Appreciate your takes on what's going on with the fans, man. I know that's not the most fun stuff to talk about, but uh, you're a good guy to ask about it. So thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. This is always fun. Great conversation with Dave DeFore, all-encompassing, and he's right. We've got to make changes to what's happening on the court. We've got to make changes as fans to how we view these players, how we treat these players, and how we act about this self-entitlement stuff when it is that we're at these sporting events. The NBA has a huge issue on its hands. They'll have to make a decision about security, about how close they allow fans to get to these players, and about how they keep these players safe if they plan to get through this entire postseason without any further incident. Thank you to Dave. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We're enjoying bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. The NFL is less than 100 days away. We're still keeping an eye on what's going on with the Julio Jones situation. We've got Major League Baseball's first-year player draft right around the corner, and Stanford is, for the first time in years, hosting a College World Series regional. All things we can talk about in the coming days and weeks ahead. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday. Oh,